Thanks, podcast. Everyone keep trying to... You've got to listen to... Po- I, I like the podcast. I like a bit of music. A quick word on our sponsors. Scalarlight is a quantum healing company using Scalar Energy devices that work remotely, giving distant healing anywhere in the world. In conjunction with the Clockwork Junkie podcast, you can get a 30-day free trial. No credit cards, no debit cards. It is 100% free. To sign up, all you have to do is click the link in the description below, add your name, your email, and upload a selfie. Scalar Light, a new era of quantum healing. Hey, how are things? This is Mark here, and welcome back to the Clockwork Junkie podcast. As always, you're more than welcome. Thank you for tuning in. Today's podcast, I'm going to be discussing a stabbing that happened because of the urban legend or the myth known as Slenderman. This is, I suppose, on the back of the fantastic response I got. This is podcast 220. I got a fantastic response on podcast 218 where I spoke about the girl in the box um, and that whole story. People seem to like me talking about it and my take on it. So look, I thank you for that. Um, it's actually a bit humbling, but that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to discuss, essentially, what is Slenderman. I'm going to discuss the stabbings and kind of bring you up to date where we are now but then I want to bring you back to what happened on that day um, and why it happened and it blew my mind I think it might blow your mind if you haven't heard the story already but also make sure you hang on to the end of the podcast because I actually have um, audio footage of when the 12 year old girls who committed the stabbing were brought in for police questioning and some of the police are talking and some of the parents are talking as well and the actual girl who got stabbed is talking it's just it's an it's an incredible story i think you're going to enjoy the podcast um look you can email me at clockworkjunkiepodcast at gmail.com i appreciate anyone that's doing that i love hearing from people telling me that if you listen to the podcast and you enjoy it, it's fantastic don't forget to check out the scalar light it's free 30 day free trial uh, no credit cards uh, that, as far as i understand it that's ending on the 27th so now is the time to get it and you can obviously Make a one-time donation to the podcast. You can support the podcast. It's paypal.me forward slash clockworkjunkie. And that link is in the description. So I just want to get straight into this story. And I want to bring you, I suppose, as up to date. Um, Not too long ago, there was an article. And the article said, The teen involved in Slenderman stabbing is being released from care. It just says, On Thursday, a Wisconsin judge agreed that one of the two teenagers convicted in the Slenderman stabbing would be released from a psychiatric hospital. Anissa Wire, who is now 19, has been at the Winnebago Mental Health Institute since 2017, after she was found guilty for attempting to kill her friend, Peyton Lutner. Now, I have Peyton Lutner coming up later on in the podcast talking to, um, I believe it's Fox or ABC or one of those. She was found attempted, she was found guilty for attempting to kill Peyton in order to appease Slenderman and to keep Slenderman from harming her family. At the time, Wire was just 12 years old. So imagine being 12 years old, you and another friend stabbing your third friend so Slenderman wouldn't hurt your family. Wire was originally sentenced to 25 years in a psychiatric facility, but was released after less than four years on the grounds that she, and I quote, she had made great progress with her treatment and was ready to re-enter society. Now, in a letter obtained from WDJT-TV, Wire wrote, she said, if I am to become a productive member of society, I need to be part of society. 
the prosecution countered her petition via statement and they argued that her mind is still immature and that she is susceptible to dangerous influences. That's according to a report from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. But a judge found her to be functioning very well, citing reports from her doctor and ordered her release within 60 days. She will be monitored in some form until she is 37. That's a long time. In 2009, a picture from... Here's the Slenderman. This is all about the Slenderman. In 2009, a picture from the fictional humanoid character Slenderman won a Photoshop contest and quickly took over the internet. So there was a Photoshop a Photoshop contest in 2009. Somebody made up Slenderman. Slenderman did not exist, does not exist, and never has existed. It's not a real thing. It is essentially a humanoid character. They call it Slenderman. And it won a Photoshop contest. And then obviously quickly took over the internet with myths and stuff like that. Um, depictions of Slenderman have changed, as did his legend, including the belief that he had the power to control minds. Wire, along with her friend Morgan Geezer, so these two girls are 12 years of age, and I believe I'm pronouncing their names right. Both of them were 12 at the time. They believed that Slenderman was real and lived in a mansion in North Wisconsin. In an effort to appease Slenderman, they believed that if they killed Peyton Lutner, they would become his proxies. Now, I know it sounds a bit ridiculous when you think, how would they believe, even though they're 12? But let me just play this clip of a very well-known internet personality talking about Slenderman. And picture yourself being 12. Like, when I was 12, I was afraid of zombies, vampires, Dracula, Frankenstein, all of those things. Because I was 12, I was immature. So let me play this, and this will give you some sort of an idea of, of what was around at the time. Three ways to survive Slenderman. Number one, if you hear footsteps behind you, try and get away as fast as possible, preferably in a car due to the fact that Slenderman is extremely fast. And if you decide to run on foot, he will end up catching you and therefore unaliving you. Number two, make sure you have some type of video camera or phone near you at all times. If you think Slenderman is stalking you, start recording. And if the video footage that you play back is all static, that means that he is extremely close and you should probably start to run. Number three, if you start seeing odd posters posted around your town or where you live with pictures of Slenderman, you should probably get away now. Those are posted by his previous victims, giving you a little bit of a warning that he is coming for you. Don't forget to like and follow if you enjoy the series and want to see more. Do you kind of see what I mean there? It's... You know, you're hearing constant stuff like that all the time, um, and it's doing the rounds all over the internet. You're 12 and you're very impressionable. If anyone's listened to this, Slenderman does not, did not, and has, never has existed. So on May the 31st, 2014, the girls lured Peyton Lutner into the woods in a park in Milwaukee and stabbed her 19 times. That's one nine times. Morgan Gesser used a kitchen knife while Wire cheered and urged her on. She told her to lie down so she wouldn't lose blood so quickly and she told her to be quiet and then both of them left. Peyton Lutner, here's the kicker, Peyton Lutner managed to crawl out of the wooded area and was spotted by a cyclist. Now a lot of things that I'm talking about here will be discussed at the end by the girls and the people involved but just to give a foundation to the story. So Peyton managed to crawl out of the wood out of the wooded area and was spotted by a cyclist she survived though a doctor had said that one of the stab wounds came within a millimeter of hitting an artery well then she'll obviously brown bread if that happened which would have been fatal as reported by the new york times despite the girls being sixth graders 
um, both of them were tried in adult court. I can see why that happened. Wire was initially charged with attempted first degree homicide, but after the jury deemed her mentally ill at the time of the attack, she was charged with attempted second degree homicide, which is a lesser charge. Uh, Wire took a plea deal and was sentenced to a maximum amount, which is 25 years in a psychiatric facility. Uh, Morgan Geyser, who was diagnosed with schizophrenia, pleaded guilty to attempted first degree intentional homicide for her part in the attack, and she was sentenced to 40 years in the facility. Wire, who obtained her high school degree and has planned to attend college, said in her letter that she is, and I quote, committed to using this negative situation and publicity for something good. I intend to give back to my community by doing good within it and hopefully healing the wounds I've inflicted on a lot of people. She goes on to say, I thank everyone for their time and their patience and I ask that I be given the chance to prove that I am who I say I am. So, I mean, that in itself is an incredible story. I believe that's an incredible story. I mean, can you imagine two 12-year-olds deciding to meet another 12-year-old who's, who's their friends? And it goes on to say, actually, in a while, you'll hear the story that they actually had a sleepover the night before. They decided to go for a walk. This was planned for six months. So the two girls decided that Slenderman was going to do bad and kill them and hurt their family, and the only way they could appease Slenderman was to kill their friend. So they stab her 19 times, then tell her they're going for help, but don't go for help. They leave and walk away. The girl, Peyton, just so happens to survive by crawling out on her own. She's 12 years of age as well, 19 stab wounds, and a cycle of Caesar, and that's how she survives. She's actually on the show. To, well, I say I'm not talking to her, you're not allowed to talk to her, but she's talking to, I, I believe it's NBC or something like that. So that's kind of the standard of the story. But just to go a bit deeper and give you some information, uh, you know, I know on these stories it's jeopardy if you don't know if the person has lived or died. So we now know that person has lived and she'll be talking later in the podcast. But it still just makes you wonder what the fuck is going on in the world. So on the 31st of May 2014, name was Constant, two 12-year-old girls, Anisa Wire and Morgan Gesser, lured her friend Peyton Lutner into the forest and stabbed her 19 times in an attempt to appease the fictional character Slenderman. Peyton crawled to the road where she was found and recovered after six days in hospital. Both girls were found not guilty by mental disease or defect and committed to mental health institutes and sentenced for 25 years to life and 40 years to life respectively. We discussed that earlier on. After seven years, Anna-Niece Wire was granted early release, but will be under supervision until the age of 37. Like, if she was good enough to do that, surely she can't be out after a couple of years. But look, you can hear, you'll hear her talking in a few minutes where she's, this is like hours after they were caught. You hear them talking. It doesn't seem to be a whole lot of remorse as far as I'm concerned. But look, I, I let you make the, make the decision. So I just want to go into the, kind of a deep dive on Slenderman, a deep dive on the events of the attack, um, a deep dive of the girl's mental health, um, some appeals, the court cases and negotiations and the aftermath. And I won't actually keep you too long because they're all kind of sharp and sharp and to the point. So just to, I suppose, to touch on what we said already, um, Slenderman is a fictional entity created on the Something Awful online forums for a 2009 Photoshop paranormal image contest. The Slenderman myths were later expanded by a number of other people 
who created fan fiction and artistic uh, depictions of the entity. So if anyone was ever wondering about Slenderman and you're an adult and didn't want to ask other adults, now you know. It was made up by somebody, 100%. Um, Slenderman is a tall, thin character with a featureless white face and head. He is depicted as wearing a black suit and is sometimes shown with tentacles growing out of his back. According to the Slenderman, it's actually the tentacles out of the back. Wait, the girls actually mentioned that. Um, according to the Slenderman myths, the entity may cause amnesia, bouts of coughing and paranoid behaviour in individuals. And he is often depicted hiding in a forest. So a little bit more detail then on the events themselves of the attack. So the stabbing took place in David's Park. It's a wooded area um, in Wisconsin during a game of hide and seek on the 31st of May 2014. The perpetrators, as we discussed, was Annalise Wire. She was born on November the 10th, 2001. Like I have older genes than that. And Morgan Gaysher born on the 16th of May 2002. The pin down Peyton, Isabel Lutner. She was also known as Bella. A nickname that was used at the time of the crime and you will hear the mentioning Bella when you hear the footage in a few minutes so that's why it's important to mention that and they stabbed her 19 times in the arms the legs the torso with a five inch long blade so what's that 13 centimeters two wounds were to major organs one missed a major artery of the heart by less than a millimeter another went through her diaphragm cutting into her liver and stomach I mean are these people absolutely out of fucking mind Oh, Jesus Christ. Anyways. Both girls told Peyton to lie down while they would find help, but they did not get any help upon leaving. Afterwards, Peyton dragged herself to the nearby road where she was found by a cyclist. We discussed that. And the cyclist, to his eternal credit, called 911 straight away, and she was rushed to hospital. Around five hours later, both of the girls were apprehended near Interstand or near Interstate 94 at a place called St. Halfel's Furniture Store after walking about five miles. The knife used in the stabbing was in the bag that they were carrying. Fucking hell. Their goal, listen to this now, their goal was to meet Slenderman at his mansion called the Slender Mansion in the Nicolet National Forest, which was roughly a hundred miles hike from their fucking location. During the interviews, um, Geyser was described as feeling no empathy while Wire was described as feeling guilty for stopping the victim, but both felt that the attack was needed to appease the Slenderman. Peyton Lutner left the hospital seven days after the attack, and she returned to school in September. She's a hardy motherfucker, this one. Okay, this is, I suppose, a little bit more of a deep dive, and it's interesting enough because, um, well, you'll see yourself. So, Morgan Geyser's mental state. So, while growing up, Geyser experienced many hallucinations such as ghost, ghosts, uh, colours melting down walls and imaginary friends. One of them was named Maggie and the other one was named Siv. One hallucination that occurred often was a man Geyser named It, whose body was the colour of smoke and ink and stood behind her in the mirrors or shifted around corners, similar to what she found out about Slenderman. After their arrest, Geisner's mother, Angie, who also talks in the footage I have in a few minutes, stated she became uh, psychotic. Correctional officers saw Geisner talking to herself often, pretending to be a cat and keeping ants as pets. She saw unicorns as well 
and had continual conversations with Slenderman and other fictional characters such as Sev. His actual name is Severus Snape. In the fall of 2014, Geisner was moved to the Winnipeg Mental Health Institute to determine if she would be competent enough to stand trial. They diagnosed Geisner in October the 22nd, 2014, 2014 with early onset childhood schizophrenia. However, instead of treatment and medication, they focused on explaining the law to Geyser to prepare her for her trial. Nearly half a year later, Geisner was found competent enough to stand trial. But Geyser's schizophrenia was continually left untreated for 19 months, leading her to remain in a state of psychosis or out of touch with reality. In December, she was sent back to Winnebago and given antipsychotics, which later allowed Geisner to feel remorse and after clearing her mind. And on March the 23rd, 2016, Geisner was sent back to jail with the medication and she rapidly deteriorated. However, after a suicide attempt, Geisner was transferred back to Winnebago. So, the court case, I mean, is, is, is anyone else finding this? I mean, what's going on? Like when I was 12 years of age, I didn't even know what an erection was. I was playing kiss chasing. These people are going around stabbing people to the slender man. What the fuck? So a court case and negotiations. So following the investigations, uh, Gessner was charged with attempted first degree homicide. That's a class A felony. And Wire was charged with attempted second degree homicide. That's a class B felony. I'm not really up on felonies, to be honest. Maybe someone knows more than I do. Due to the nature of the offences, both girls were waived out of juvenile court to be tried as adults. Well, we discussed that earlier, and I, I can see why that was the case. In 2017, Wire pleaded guilty to being a part of the attempted second-degree homicide. A jury then found her not guilty by mental disease or defect. Geyser accepted a plea offer under which she would not go to trial and would be evaluated by psychiatrists to determine how long she should be placed in a mental hospital. She later pleaded guilty but was found not guilty by reason of mental health or defect and was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Get this from which her father also suffered. So it seems to be taking these people a long, long time to find out anything. Wire herself was sent to 25 years to life, uh, an indeterminate sentence involving at least three years locked confinement and involuntary treatment in a state uh, psychiatric institute, followed by communal supervision until the age of 37. But Geyser, was given the maximum sentence of 40 years to life, an indeterminate sentence involving at least three years locked confinement as well, in addition to involuntary treatment in a state institute until completion or until resolution or until she reached the age of 53, whichever may happen first. Isn't that absolutely crazy? While Geyser will periodically have the opportunity to petition for her release from a mental health facility in the future, she will remain under institutional care for the duration of the sentence. During her trial, Geister had been committed to the Winnebago Mental Health Institute and was the youngest patient there. So at a court hearing on March 10, 2021, submitted a letter to the court stating that she was, and I quote, sorry and deeply regretful for the agony, pain and fear I've caused. She's not just a patent, but to my community as well. She stated that, I hate my actions from the 31st of May 2014, but through countless hours of therapy, I no longer hate myself for them. On July the 1st, 2021, Judge Michael Boran ordered Wire's release from the Winnebago Mental Health Institute 
given state officials 60 days to draw up a conditional release plan and require that wire be assigned to the State Department of Health Services case managers or case managers to track her progress until, as I said, she's 37 years old. So on September the 13th, 2021, Wire was released with multiple stipulations to include a 24-hour GPS monitoring requiring her to not leave the county without permission. Well, you don't want someone like that, no matter how good they say they are, be running around unmonitored. You know, they might say they're better, they might say they're fine, and maybe they are. Look, I do not know. Well, maybe they're not. Like, she wouldn't be babysitting my kids. I'll put it that way to you. Fucking GPS or no GPS. Uh, Wire will also have her internet usage monitored and will not be allowed to use any form of social media. Wire will also be required to take medication and will be personally escorted to regular counselling sessions by a caseworker. She will also be required to live with her father during her probation. So then, this is a real short one. It was um, Morgan Geyser's appeal. Uh, in 2020, an appeal court rejected Geyser's petition to be retired as a juvenile. Her attorney, who was Matthew Pinkson, argued that she would have been charged with attempted second-degree intentional homicide rather than first-degree and argued that Geyser gave statements to investigators before being read her Miranda rights. He has petitioned the Supreme Court of Wisconsin to review the ruling and in early 2021, the Wisconsin Supreme Court declined to hear her appeal. So she is what we call fucked for another little while. So when you're finished doing something like this and before I go on to the actual audio footage and it's really, really good, I always like to just, if it's available, try to find the aftermath. So what happened afterwards? People like to know. So I'll just give you a little bit of a background here as it was in the aftermath of the stabbing the creepy paste or the creepy pasta wikipedia page that's a that's c-r-e-e-p-y p-a-s-t-a so creepy pasta wicca was blocked throughout the school district so basically this is where the slender man this is where people were talking about and this is where people were writing stories about it um then it says on the tuesday following the stabbing slender man's creator and his name was Eric Nudson. He said, I am deeply saddened by the tragedy in Wisconsin and my heart goes out to the families of those affected by the terrible act. Uh, one of the administrators of Creepypasta said that the stabbing was an isolated incident that did not accurately represent the Creepypasta, or the Creepypasta community. He also stated that the Creepypasta wiki was a literary, a literary website and that to do not condone, condone murder or satanic rituals so members of the creepypasta community held a 24-hour live stream on YouTube on the, between the 13th and 14th of June 2014. It was to raise money for the stabbing victim. Now Joe Joswaski, he's an administrator for the creepypasta, the creepypasta website, said that the purpose of the stream was to show that the members of the community cared for the victim and did not condone real-world violence because they enjoyed fiction that contains violence. So basically they're saying just because it contains violence doesn't mean that we condone violence in any way, shape or form. But on August the 12th, Governor Scott Walker issued a proclamation declaring Wednesday, August the 13th, 2014. He called it Purple Hearts for Healing Day and encouraged the people of Wisconsin to wear purple hearts on that day to honour the victim of the stabbing. He also praised the strength and determination exhibited by Peyton Lutner during the recovery, 
The city of Madison, Wisconsin, held a one-day birthverse festival to honor Peyton Lutner on August the 29th, several days before the victim returned to school. Hot dogs and birthverse were sold to raise money towards the victim's medical costs. The event was run by over 250 volunteers and raised $70,000 for, for medical costs. Well, look, I don't know, I suppose it ends in a good news story, I suppose. Um, now, there's a debate on the effect of the internet on children. So I just thought this might be worth reading out on the podcast. The stabbing resulted in extensive debate about the role of the internet in society and its effect on children. So Russell Jack, he's a police chief, sure, Jesus, probably Jack Russell, that's probably written down wrong. So Russell Jack, who's a police chief, said that the stabbing, and I quote, should be, should be a wake-up call for all parents, adding that the internet is full of information and wonderful sites that teach and entertain, but that it can also be full of dark, wicked things. Now, John Elgenhoff, he's a retired agent of the FBI, he actually argued against this. He argued that the internet has become a black hole with the ability to expose children to a more sinister world. He suggested that the best way to avoid future incidents was for parents to keep track of their own children online and their own children's habits and to educate them on the difference between right and wrong. And then Sherry Chess, she's an assistant professor of mass media arts at the University of Georgia, she stated that the creepypasta uh, wiki website was no more dangerous than stories about vampires or zombies. She argued that the creepypasta website website was beneficial and that it gave people the opportunity to become better writers. So I don't know what you think of all that. I mean, essentially here what you had was two girls hearing about a story about the Slenderman. Both of them were 12 years of age and we know now how the Slenderman was created. It, it's, it's not real, it was never real. It's absolute nonsense of the highest order. It's I wouldn't even call it an urban legend because it didn't exist before 2009 and we know the person who created it and why they created it, to win a Photoshop competition. It was after that then people start writing literary stories and bringing the slender man into it with powers of um, giving you amnesia and you know maybe killing people in the name of slender man. None of it is true. Two 12 year old girls came across it, planned for six months to kill their other 12 year old friend because they didn't want slender man to hurt them or their family. Had a night with her, kind of a slumber party the night before, then walked to that, what was it, David's Park I believe it was called and stabbed her 19 fucking times, then told her they were going to get help, and left and didn't get help. The girl, Peyton, managed to climb out on her own. A cyclist found her, rang 911. Seven days later, she was out of hospital, and then she was back to school in that September. Um, and the two of the girls' lives were completely ruined. One of them was in for 25 years, the other one was in for 40 years. The one that was in for 25 years is already out, and she's trying to do well. I mean, I don't know what you think of that, to be honest. Jeez, um, I'd give anything to sit down and have a podcast with that girl. The, the one that got out and said, look, what happened? Talk to me, you know. I, I think if it's, you know, about sometimes people who are psychotic or have schizophrenia or psychosis can bluff people and pretend to be one person when they're really not. I think I could, I could find, I could call bullshit on her in a couple of seconds, you know. Um, I'd love the opportunity. But maybe she is recovered. Maybe, look, she was 12, people will argue. I get all of that. But anyways, look, I'm going to leave you with this. I'm going to play it. It's about six or seven minutes long. It's um, this is essentially a report, and it's the girls in custody just after being picked up after walking five miles. 
and they're being asked questions about why did they do it, how did they do it, and they give their information. Um, the coverage isn't spectacular sound, but it's not because we couldn't guess by it. That's just the sound that it was at the time. You know, sometimes when you see these murders on TV and you hear the people talking in the in interrogation, the sound is not good. So that's why it's not good. But you can definitely make out what they're saying. You can hear the questions they're being asked and everything else. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Much appreciated. Another podcast coming soon. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do a one-time donation to paypal.me forward slash clockwork junkie. The link is in the description. Thank you for listening to the Clockwork Junkie podcast. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Do you feel like you're a survivor? Yeah. I shouldn't be alive. I really shouldn't after what happened. For the first time, Peyton Leitner is talking about that day five years ago. Three 12-year-olds at a slumber party. And the next morning, a walk into the woods to play hide-and-seek. Do you remember leaving the park to go to the woods? They just wanted to go on a walk and I didn't think much of it it's just a walk it's in Waukesha like what bad stuff happens in Waukesha Wisconsin Peyton was stabbed 19 times and left for dead by her own friends who later blamed the fictional character Slenderman Morgan handed me the knife and then I started to count again when I was five feet away I said now go ballistic go crazy stab 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 The suspects lured the victim into the woods. All three of the girls are 12 years old. Who's ever heard of two 12-year-old girls planning for six months to kill one of their best friends? The whole time, people were screaming their pain. I Friday night in Waukesha, Wisconsin, a Milwaukee suburb. Peyton is getting ready to celebrate her best friend Morgan Geyser's birthday at that slumber party. Peyton was so, so excited. The girls met in fourth grade. Peyton drawn to Morgan because she was a loner who needed a friend. I made friends with her when I saw that she didn't have any friends at all. Also at that sleepover, Anissa Wire, who was new to the school and who had grown close to Morgan. They played up in Morgan's bedroom, ran up and down the stairs, giggling and laughing, and I mean, it was just a normal night. But there was nothing normal about what happened the next morning, when Morgan and Anissa suggest they all go to the park and then to the woods together. Anissa told me to lie on the ground and, like, cover myself in, like, sticks and leaves and stuff, but it was really just a trick. While playing hide-and-seek, then came Anissa's command, and Morgan attacks Peyton with a knife. Morgan said, don't be afraid, I'm only a little kitty cat, and uh, jumped on top of Bella and stabbed her repeatedly. And do you remember when it started? Kind of. I didn't feel anything because my body was in shock. So they told me to lay down and you'll lose blood slower. Like, we're going to go get help. And she tried to get up. And they told her they were going to go get her help. But Anissa flat out said, no, we weren't getting her help. We wanted her to die. I got up and then just walked until I hit a patch of grass where I could lay down. A bicyclist notices Peyton bloodied and lying in the grass. He calls 911. Officer Dan Klein 
is the first on the scene. I asked her who did this, and she told me her friend Morgan. Peyton tells paramedics she's been stabbed. They asked how long was the knife, and she said that the, the knife was about like this. And she was talking about the blade, not the handle. Her mother rushes to the hospital just before Peyton is taken into surgery. I said, you're going to be okay. It's going to be fine. But I could see that she was covered. Her arms and her legs and her abdomen, they were covered in stab wounds. The surgeon treating Peyton told me if the stab wound to the chest had been the width of a human hair deeper, she would not have survived. While Peyton fights for her life, police are searching everywhere for the two girls. It was about 2.53 in the afternoon. I had gotten a, a message that the sheriff's department had located the girls on the site of I-94. They were sitting on the side of the freeway. By the time we found them, they had walked about five hours and made it to the north end of our city. Morgan Geyser and Anissa Wire are brought back to the Waukesha Police Station for questioning. Their demeanor was very calm. They seemed um, kind of meek. Um, your parents know that you're here talking to me, okay? And um, they're so glad that you're safe. I did notice she had a blood stain on the front of her shirt, and she was wearing two shirts. Morgan seemed like she was very calm, very relaxed. I mean, she's at a police department and she's covered in blood, and this is like a normal day for her. You could hear Morgan ask what's happened to Peyton using her nickname. Bella. Is she dead? I don't know. Uh, she wants to take her to the hospital. What? I was just wondering. It didn't seem like it really concerned her too much if she was dead or alive. The detectives read the girls their rights. You have the right to remain silent. Here in the state of Wisconsin, a child can be interrogated without the presence of their parent or guardian being in the room. At that time, I did not know that. We find that people are more truthful when they don't have their parents present. The interrogations last for hours. I have a daughter that's almost the same age as her, like she could be my daughter. And you should tell me we had to. And this is where the story takes another turn to a fictional character on the internet. Um, there's this website called um, The Creepy Bob's Wiki. Okay. It's full of like horror stories that are meant to purposely scare you. And there's one of them called Slenderman. Who's He's, um, he's, uh, this tall, faceless man who preys on children. Well, at his own will, he can, um, like, explain these tendrils from his back. And, um, like, strangle his victims. From what the creepy pastor, when he said he targets children most. Anissa explained to me that to prove yourself worthy to slender, you would have to kill somebody. Morgan said he 